let's get this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First off, this week I will be in Seattle for PodCon 2 Electric Boogaloo. Multitude will be doing live shows on Thursday and Friday. I will be doing two panels at PodCon itself, one about doing pre-production work to make your life easier when launching a podcast, and one about getting advertisers for your show. And Multitude is going to do a free meetup on Saturday. If you want information about any and all of those opportunities to see my face and say hello to my face, you can go to multitude.production slash live, and I hope to see your face this week. Also, I wanted to take this time to talk about the other podcast that I run, Horse. It's a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses, co-hosted by me and Eric Silver. Our last episode, episode 14, is easily our best. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of the show in general. The whole point of the podcast is to prove that basketball is fun and silly for anyone to follow. You don't necessarily have to be a sports fan. Honestly, it's kind of like watching a dramatic slash comedic television program just to follow all the antics and the online beefs and the the drama of it. So I am very biased, but I highly recommend checking out our podcast horse. It's super fun. It's super silly. And if you enjoy the chemistry of me and Eric Silver on any episode of Potterless, you will enjoy this podcast. And speaking of things that I love and I don't care if I'm biased about it, we've new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Andrej Simatana, Mary Blanchett, Joseph Rendell, Alan Huber, Taylor Kovacs, Ivanow, Wengli Loke, Jell Vandervet, Meg Volt, The Return of Callahan and Dereas, Betul Dutkovich, Katie Hammond, Susan Bertline, Claire Spencer, Megan Bostock, Heidi Figgenshue, Tom Burmeister, Charlotte Rady, Mackenzie Mullis, Franny Jung, Jilly Hope, Aurora Brennigan, I Am Alive Now, Lauren McKay, and Demi Lynn. Shout out to Caroline Fernari and Lizzie Hinson who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to Teal who upgraded to producer status as well as our new producer-level patrons, Claire Spencer, Desiree Korf, Rory Collier, Sina Schutzberg, and Siljay brunstad Rudmansony. They joined the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Sadie, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Clow, Alex, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Jenna, Kieran, Rebecca, Abid, Caitlin, Rosemary, Jill, Marie, Lisa, Ariel, Romina, Kamel, Anthony, Russell, Dustin, Katie, Audra, Indiana, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Micah, Andrea, Nikita, Colette, Chrissy, Shrina, Lala, Chelsea, Taylor, Lovekesh, Ali, Cassandra, Roxy, Emilia, Sean, Jeremiah, Sarah, Jesus, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Jessica, Natalie, Arna, Brandy, Melody, Kristen, Zach, Elisa, Tiago, Daisy, Jessica, Orca, Jonathan, Joe, Isabel, Steve, Vivian, Samuel, Victoria, Elena, Takari, Darlene, Drake, James, Haley, Marino, Moster, Pinky, Hannah, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Peter, Maria, Phineas, Natalie, Hermione, Victoria, Lee, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Cecily, Raul, Finn, Mosin, Grace, Sammy, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Heidi, Alexandra, John, Jen, Sephron, Dusty, Noel, Tao, Hala, Emily, Michael, Robin, Rebecca, Patricia, Jane, Will, Neil, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Vittorio, Sarah, and Can't I Potter? who never have really loud pigeons outside their window of their New York City apartment while they're trying to record the intro and the outro of their Harry Potter podcast. If you want to be like one of these amazing people and get access to exclusive live streams, bonus merchandise, bonus episodes, my notes, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless and pledge today. But without further ado, let's get into episode 60 of Potterless covering chapter 5 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring Emma Shersharko of Wolf 359 and the Pairing Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 26-year-old man reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that 26-year-old man, and I'm here today joined by one of your favorite heroes from Wolf 359, Commander Minkowski, a.k.a. the wonderful Emma Scherzarko, oh. host 
and creator, producer, all of the titles of Pairing Podcast. Emma, how's it going? Oh my gosh. I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me here, Shubes. Thank you for being on. We are fresh off of recording an episode for your podcast, Pairing, true. where you pair wine with something from pop culture, which is great, which is way more fun than pairing it with food. Yeah. Because oh some my people God. say, oh, this wine tastes great with chicken. I'm like, are, are you sure? <laughs> this wine either tastes great with everything or whatever. We're millennials. We can't afford to eat and drink. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we did an episode about Spider-Man, and we will be yes. doing an episode about Harry Potter in the future. So I'm very excited I'm about that. Super excited about that. The the crossover. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, we're going to talk about Harry Potter on my podcast. We're going to continue this opening section of the seventh book, yes. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. And we will begin with chapter five, which has an ominous title. Uh, yeah. It's called The Fallen Warrior. We have just left off from a very tumultuous run-in with the Death Eaters. So once I saw the title of this chapter, I had the very sad realization, somebody died. <laughs> so I was rereading this last night and I haven't, I don't think I've reread the seventh book since, I don't know, maybe like five or six years ago. Most of mm -hmm. the other books I've reread like so many times. This is what I've heard from a lot of different people. At least yeah. Amanda, who was on before, said the same thing. And I don't know if it's, it's one of two things. Either people don't like the seventh book as much, which I don't think it is, or what it actually is, it. is I think everyone just reread every book every time a new one came out or when the movies came out. Yes. So then there was no need to read seven more than once or maybe twice. Yeah, I think that's what happened because, you know, growing up with the books coming out, you would reread all the books, or at least I would reread all the books before the new one would come out. I'm sure at least 85% of the podcast listeners did that too. <laughs> I imagine so. I imagine so. We're strong together. But but then, yes, once once the seventh book came out, the only then like reasonable opportunity to read it again was before the seventh movie slash eighth movie came out. Mm -hmm. But, oh my God, in reading this, I, I mean, I know who the Fallen Warrior is or I knew yeah. who it was, but... Still, I was like, oh, my God, this is causing me so much anxiety. You yeah. Know, like, it's, I, feel, I, I, I was, feel the anxiety of this scene. I was telling someone, they said, how do you like the seventh book so far? I was like, well, I've read the first five chapters and it's pretty dark. And then they just said, oh, no, that's not just that's the book. Yeah, <laughs> like, it really does. The, it's not like a sad intro. Like, it's a sad book. It really does set the scene for or set the tone rather mm -hmm. for the whole book. Yes. It's like shit is going down there's no like happy reprieve mm -hmm. in this book there's no like you know <laughs> christmas vacation in this <laughs> in this book it is just constant running from the death eaters exactly so speaking of that running from the death eaters yes. we've got the beginning of this chapter so harry gets out of the pond that he has crash landed into mm -hmm. and he comes out and he sees hagrid who is still just kind of laying spread eagle on the ground and harry tries to get hagrid to snap out of it trying to get his attention yelling hagrid 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 while hagrid is not saying anything back to him, which I knew at this point, I was like, Hagrid's not going to die. Whoever it is, yeah. we're not going to learn about until a couple pages in. So it's not Hagrid. Right. She's trying to psych you out. Yeah. I was really scared it was going to be one of the kids. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be one of the twins because technically there's two of them, right? So right. we don't feel as bad. Right. But we learned that it's not one of the kids. Yeah. So... Harry is still confused about where Voldemort went, as was I. I didn't understand why he disappeared, but we learn 
in a little bit. Yes. Everyone, everyone. There was a recurring theme in this chapter that Voldemort can fly now. Yes. And why did he disappear if he can fly now? Exactly. Yes, I appreciated that. (laughs) So a man comes out and asks Harry if he is Harry Potter. And then you hear a woman say, Ted, they've crashed. At this point, I realize, oh, they're at the house they're supposed to be. Did he vanish because of the charms? Are these Tonks' parents? Very quickly, I learned yes and yes. So Harry feels a bunch of pain everywhere. Obviously, the scar pain, but his arm also hurts, his ribs, and he passes out from all of the pain and confusion and wakes up inside of Ted's house on a sofa. And Ted is kind of standing over him when Harry comes to, and Harry asks how Hagrid is. Ted says that Hagrid is okay. And this is the point when he reveals that he is Ted Tonks, Dora's father. And I just thought it was so cute that he calls her Dora. I know. I know. Because no one's ever called her that before. But Mm-mm. it makes sense. I mean, her name is Nymphadora. Lots growing of syllables. Up. It's either you call her Nymph or Nympha, which is weird. And would be hard for a little kid to say. Exactly. Or Dora, which is adorable. Or adorable. adorable. <laughs> this did raise. Oh, <laughs> so yes. this did raise a very important question for me: Is Dora the Explorer's full name Nymphadora? I think that's canon now. I think it's canon that she's Nymphadora the Explorer. I did watch a lot of Dora the Explorer when I was a babysitter. Same. Oh, and same. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's so good for for kids. I will say at least half of the Spanish that I still know today, which is not a lot, yeah. is from Dora the Explorer because I grew up in New Jersey. We had Spanish class once a week. It was not very critical to learn Spanish. Then I moved to Texas for high school and that everybody was bilingual. So uh, I did not know much more than, you know, come on, vamanos. Yum, 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 delicioso. (laughs) (laughs) Which is all you need. That's really Yeah, I mean, really, say things are delicious, say let's go, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. I know you have feelings about names with alliterations, but I think that Ted Tonks is... An awesome name. It yeah, it's it sounds good. It's better than Delagus Diggle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Delidus Diggle. Dedalus Diggle. Dedalus Diggle. Dedalus Diggle. All yes. horrible versions of the it's, same name. It's really interesting. As I was reading the beginning of this book, I was like, oh, this is really interesting because I remember, you know, in the first book reading it, it was like, oh, she's like the new role doll. And there's so many at least I see a lot of influence from role doll in particularly the earlier books in books one and two. And then as as the books go on, it's like there's little like remnants of kind of Roald Dahl-esque things that mm-hmm. she came up with. But she grew so much as a writer and like expanded so much as a writer. But there's still like the Daedalus Diggles and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mundungus Fletchers. Yeah. <laughs> someone on Twitter or someone on Facebook messaged me saying, did you ever think that the reason that there were a lot of alliteration names in the beginning and not as much towards the end is that the beginning books were children's books. And then as it got older, they weren't anymore. So you didn't yeah. need to have as you know yeah. silly, easy to remember names. And I would have agreed with that point if one of the main characters wasn't named Hermione. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's a popular name in the UK or what, but that's not an easy one to say, given that the other names of the characters are Harry, Ron, Bill, Ted, Fred, George, (laughs) Arthur. (laughs) Not very complicated names for the most part. That is that is a good question. And it's not one that I'm sure I know the answer to, like. 
Hermione, I know it's the name of a Roman goddess, I want to say. Okay. Maybe? I would believe it. Given how much Latin is in these books, I would believe it. I think so. I think I, I think Hermione, like sort of like Minerva, mm-hmm. is kind of a, a reference to Roman Roman goddesses. I could be yeah. totally wrong. I'm pretty sure it is a more common name over there. I think the big think confusion so. with no one knowing how to pronounce it was an American thing where we don't know people named Hermione. Oh, I totally That's just remember. not a thing. Yeah, I totally remember like when I learned, because I was really precocious and obnoxious nine-year-old when I learned that you know Hermione was the correct way to pronounce it and everybody else was calling her Hermione I was like no she's Hermione yeah I was kind of kind of like young Hermione a little oh uh, yeah yeah, very (laughs) know-it-all Hermione having resting know-it-all face and I had bushy hair so there you go oh yeah hey yeah (laughs) I would also say you're very smart so boom 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 look at you you're Hermione so Ted says that he has healed Harry's ribs his tooth and his arm which are all the things that were hurting and Ted asks Harry what happened Harry says Death Eaters attacked them and Ted is very surprised because he didn't think that they were going to know about the day that they were actually leaving given that the fake day was let out but apparently there is some sort of mole in the order. Ted then does confirm, he says, oh, well, at least we know that our charms are working. So that is confirming that that is what caused Voldemort to vanish all of a sudden is the protection charms put on the house. That's good. I'm glad that the protection charms work. Yeah, they do their job, which is Small always comfort. great. Small comfort. Small mm-hmm. comfort. <laughs> so Harry, at this point, though, Harry imagines Voldemort standing 100 feet away outside of a transparent bubble trying to get through, which is just an, a hilarious <laughs> image because I don't imagine what would actually be it, which would be Voldemort, you know, trying some actual evil stuff. I imagine right. like some hijinks thing where he's like, maybe I can pull vault over it. Yeah. Or maybe if I run really fast, <laughs> like, or maybe I can dig under it. Just like a very slapsticky type. Is it in Despicable Me where Gru keeps trying to get through that oh, dude's wall with yeah. all the different methods and he keeps getting like shot down? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, imagining yeah. that, but with Voldemort. Totally, totally. He's like doing a little Laurel and Hardy act. <laughs> Except one man Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. Voldemort. Voldy and Hardy. <laughs> Laurel and Voldy. There is a joke there somewhere. Yeah, there's a, there's uh, a joke there somewhere. So when Mrs. Tonks enters the room, Harry mistakes her for Bellatrix and yells, you, at her, which is very awkward for everyone involved. Really intense. (laughs) Yeah. He tries to pull out his wand on her, too, but his wand is not in his pocket. It's resting on the side table. And Mrs. Tonks asked what happened to Nymphadora. Harry says that they don't know what happened to the rest. So Harry mentions the port key, and they're all going to the borough, which I feel like that's a bad idea. Me too. It just didn't seem like a smart spot. If I was anyone in the Death Eaters, that's the place I would have gotten. I don't care how many protective charms they've put on the borough. It just feels like a poor decision. I totally agree. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, the whole secret keeper thing, they're trying to make that be the reason why going to the borough is acceptable. But it's just like... No, that is literally the first place that everyone would expect you to go. Yeah. Why don't you go to Kingsley Shacklebolt's house? Right. That's what my thought. Yeah. And like that's why I feel like the Tonks' house made sense for Harry to go and then Portkey. But right. don't Portkey to the borough. You're right. The logical step would be Portkey to Kingsley's probably. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seems like there were better choices. And I haven't read far enough to see if this bites them in the butt. But mm-hmm. at least so far throughout chapter five, they do not get bitten in the rear. Not so far. Yeah, not yet. No, but no spoilers. Who knows? <laughs> I know. Yeah. And uh, and honestly, given how the first five chapters went, I'm not expecting anything to go well ever. And I'm expecting Voldemort to fly in seeing that he can fly at yeah. any point. Yeah. Like any, they're all bets are off. He, any page I can turn into can say Voldemort flew in. So, 
So I'm on edge every page of this novel. Which is sort of how Harry and Hermione and Ron are feeling. Oh, of course. I think we're 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 feeling their anxiety. I do think she does a good job of like conveying the like high stakes and anxiety of this situation. Uh So well done. Well done, JK. Yeah, it's it's something we see. I've read like a little bit into chapter six, uh-huh. but there it's something we see there where Harry is very anxious that he has to stay one extra day for Bill and Fleur's wedding. Yeah. And he's so anxious, he's like, every day counts. Like they mm-hmm. really understand the gravity of the situation. Like, no, we gotta go now. Yeah. Which at first I was like, Oh, come on, Harry. But then it's you know, you can understand that they are just very stressed. Or we gotta do this. ASAP. Yep. Then Ted Tonks says to Mrs. Tonks, Dora will be okay, Dramada. And this is where we learn that Tonks' mom's name is Andromeda, and the only thing I know about her is that on Twitter, I have been very vocal that there are no good Slytherins, and for a while, I thought Slughorn was the only good one, and then, as we learned in the end of Six, Slughorn also sucks, uh, yeah. so I was making lots of Twitter statuses claiming, there's no good one, we're back down to zero, and yeah. I've heard a couple people, yes, it's not really a big spoiler just to say a name, but people said, just wait, you'll meet Andromeda Tonks in the seventh book, and she's good. So, this is Andromeda Tonks, the one good Slytherin. The one good Slytherin. I literally can't think of another good one. Yeah. I I don't think I can either. (laughs) I don't think Snape counts. No, he definitely doesn't count. People say Merlin is a Slytherin, but I don't know if that ever shows up in the books or if that's just some fun fact we learn. Yeah, I forget if it's ever mentioned. I don't think it is because I always thought of myself as a Ravenclaw. Mm -hmm. And when I took the Potterless uh, when I took the Potter, the Potter more, the Potter. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you mean- my name is working. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Suck it, JK. <laughs> You're more in my brain than Pottermore. <laughs> when I took the Pottermore sorting hat quiz, I got Slytherin. Not once, not twice, but three times. It's confirmed. So it is confirmed. Not only that, my Patronus is an adder, which is a kind of snake. Okay, I was uh, going to say, is that yeah, a snake? <laughs> it's a kind of snake. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I, like, <laughs> I, I don't think it's bad to be sorted into Slytherin. I, I don't just, think so my either. My problem is that we just never learn about any good ones in the books. I'm sure there are good ones. We just never get to hear about any of them. I think that's it. And so I've like begrudgingly accepted that I am a Slytherin and that's okay. Yeah. Through, you know, years of therapy. and. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> well, it, it gives me great comfort that I think both Julia Shafini and Lauren Shippen are also Slytherins. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'm in good company. You're in great company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're doing just fine. Yes, but I is Andromeda mentioned much? She is in not. The previous I books? think that she might only be mentioned in the family tree segment of the fifth book, where okay. they kind of go through okay. all of the names, okay, and that's that where, sense. for example, I know the name Regulus Black exists because mm-hmm. of that. Right. He is my theory for who Rab is, um, just because of the letters making sense. I don't know anything about him, so I think that that is one of the names that is said, but I don't think we learn anything about her. I don't think that there was any point where people in the book say like, "Oh yeah, Tonks' mom is really cool." Right. She might be one of the ones like serious where it's like burnt off of the family tree portrait, and that's Probably all we know about her. Probably because she she married a mudblood. How dare How she? How dare she? <laughs> <laughs> and Ted seems really nice. He seems like a great guy. I know Ted. <laughs> He's just. Just a nice guy. Yeah, so speaking of Ted being a nice guy, he shows them the port key and says that it's supposed to leave in three minutes if you want to take it. So this is something I didn't realize, that there are time-sensitive port keys. I did not know that this was in play, and I thought it was a pretty cool dynamic. Yeah, I forget if that's something that was 
ever introduced before now. I don't think so. I think this is the only time because the other porkies that exist are the obviously the cup in Goblet of Fire. Right. And then you have the shoe that they use in the beginning of Goblet of Fire to get to the Quidditch World Cup. But I think that that's really it. They have the portkeys in the ministry. Dumbledore makes the unofficial portkey after the duel with Voldemort. But other than that, that's it. And they don't have any sort of time-sensitive one. So at first, when he said, it leaves in three minutes, I was very confused about what that meant. I didn't know if it was going to leave without them. I didn't know if it was going to activate in three minutes or whatever. But as this chapter goes on, you get the sense that it's basically like a time-sensitive charm that after a while it will go away and maybe this is something that the ministry allows because they try to regulate all the port keys so maybe this is either something that the ministry did so that there are less port keys out there or they did this so that the ministry wouldn't care or know because they are worried about the ministry being able to track port keys and stuff i think that's probably the real reason is that if the ministry knows where a port key is i don't know if they have a similar trace type system if they know where port keys are they will know the whereabouts of the order so they made them all time sensitive so that eventually it goes away it also makes sense if say the shit hits the fan and the death eaters do show up in like the tox's house right if they can distract them long enough from the port key, then it is no longer a port key. That seems like another level of security. Exactly. I, guess. I think at the end of the day, this is just very smart planning by the Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Well done. Yeah, we've done it. <laughs> <laughs> so Hagrid asks Harry about Hedwig. Harry delivers the bad news. They share a bit of a moment about it, but then Harry says, it's okay. Hedwig had a great old life. And I had a question here. Do owls not live that long or was Hedwig old when Harry got her? Because seven years doesn't seem like a great old life. I don't know. Okay. I don't know in our world and I don't know in the wizarding world, which I imagine the rules are slightly different. I'm going to Google how old do owls live? Yes, that's a good question. Let's see. A typical lifespan for a wild adult barn owl is four years, though the British longevity record is 15 years. Okay, so she actually was old. She was. She was. The older I get, the more I am affected by cruelty to animals and like the deaths Uh of animals more than people like way more than people (laughs) so were you distraught when Hedwig died I was so distraught oh see I didn't even blink you didn't care (laughs) now see I rewatched Homeward Bound (laughs) ooh okay which was one of my favorite movies growing up with the two dogs and the cat going on the journey Mm -hmm. home and I watched it like a year or two ago and this is a movie I've seen dozens of times but I hadn't seen it in like 10 years I bawled oh my god even though they all end up fine and I knew they all ended up fine (laughs) Uh no I I get it I just I think I never really got what made Hedwig so great and then Amanda showed me and made me realize that Hedwig is more of a metaphor than anything for Harry's innocence and his childhood and his connection to the magical world and then the second he leaves the house Hedwig dies so very much a metaphor of like leaving behind that you know wizardly innocence so that makes sense to me I also didn't grow up with pets ever because my dad is like Mm. hyper super deathly allergic to cats Mm -hmm. and my mom didn't want us to get a dog because my dad travels a decent amount for work Uh and she was like I'm gonna get stuck with walking this thing all the time (laughs) we're not getting a dog so I was just never a pet person growing up and then for me as an adult just 
pets are really expensive they and are. take a lot of time. And I am very busy with my real job or then Potterless and traveling a lot, whether I'm traveling for business or I'm traveling for pleasure. If I had a pet in the mix, ugh. so never really have a, been a big pet person. So when Hedwig died, I was not too shaken. <laughs> if any of you follow me on any sort of social media, you know how much I love my cat. Yes. And now, now plural cats, oh, which nice. is, a, is, a, is a whole big deal. But Queen, who is in the corner here. She's my studio manager. Oh, um, so she just good. likes to oversee everything. That's great. Cats are actually super easy. Oh, yeah. Kelly and I have already talked about it. When we eventually move in together, we will get a cat. We will get one cat. His name will be Pomplamoose, oh. which is my favorite French word. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and we will call him Moose for short. Yes. And that is going to be our pet situation, and I'm happy with that. We had decided this before I started all this Harry Potter stuff, where I'm a big proponent of like naming cats or other pets based off of non-essential Harry Potter characters because when people have a cat named Crookshanks or a dog named Sirius it's just the least creative thing ever yeah if I had a cat now I might maybe before reading this chapter where we learn Mundungus Fletcher sucks I would have named him Mundungus Fletcher because it's a cool name name but as we'll learn in a little bit Mundungus not good not a great dude (laughs) no not very great as uh, John Mulaney would say he's got the moral backbone of a chocolate eclair exactly (laughs) (laughs) so they go over to the hairbrush which is the port key it starts to turn bright blue which I guess is the signification that it's about to run out so they grab it and then they arrive at the burrow and when Hagrid and Harry arrive Molly and Ginny come running out screaming asking where everyone else is so this is not good because they're the only people to return the first question Harry asks is, what do you mean? Is it everyone else back? And then no response. So uh, not good timing there, Harry. Not good. Hagrid asks Molly for brandy, dot, 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 to numb the pain, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> yep. Molly runs into the house to get it rather than just Accio it. And Harry thinks about why, but then he realizes she's doing it because she's trying to hide that she is crying and is very stressed out. Ginny reveals that she's freaking out because Tonks and Ron should have been the first to arrive, Mm. but the port key came back without them. Now, this is when I realize how the whole temporary port key situation works. So they were supposed to be first. Arthur and Fred were supposed to be second. They also did not make it back on the port key. And Harry and Hagrid were third. Then after them, it's supposed to be George and Lupin. So they're kind of waiting to see if George and Lupin will make it or if Harry and Hagrid are the only people to do it. Yeah. Molly comes back with the bottle of brandy. Hagrid chugs it in one gulp, which at first (laughs) I thought was impressive. But then you realize that Hagrid is a half giant. So it's probably the equivalent of chugging like a pint of something, which is still like mildly impressive, but not comically impressive. Yeah, it's impressive, (laughs) but it's not like. Whoa there, Hagrid. You gotta gotta slow down. It's not we have to get your stomach pumped, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. Maybe you're a bit buzzed now. Maybe have a glass of water. Maybe a little pie Have some food. Eat a snack. (laughs) Have a nice (laughs) time. So Lupin and George then do, in fact, show up. But Lupin is supporting George, whose face is all bloodied. So this is not good. We very quickly learn that George has lost a damn ear. Yeah. So this is very serious. He has lost a body part. Lupin though is not fucking around 
at all. Mm-mm. Once he sees Harry, he goes inside where Harry is, grabs him by the arm, drags him into the kitchen, slams him against the wall, and says, what's the first creature that you saw when you came to my office at Hogwarts? And Harry's like, uh, I don't know. Well, it was like a Grindy Low in a tank, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then Lupin chills out. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoa. Uh, I'm not sure that I would remember that. That's the thing. This kind of question yeah. that if he asked me, I don't know if this is the kind of thing I remembered. I feel like Lupin should have asked something more significant like what does my bogger turn into right because that's something that's more significant where multiple times harry was like what is this silvery orb that i keep seeing but what was the first thing that you saw when you came to my office which clearly was a rotating cast of characters made up of various fantastic beasts and where to find them in his office but (laughs) but like there's gotta be a better question than this lupin yeah there's gotta be (laughs) it seems like lupin and like kingsley and probably mad eye talked about about this beforehand like okay just to be double sure we're gonna have like a security question or something yeah there needed to be a code question kind of like the molly wobbles arthur thing right. where they had that right. going back i think before like before they all left they all should have had a little powwow that says okay if anyone is unsure of if harry is an imposter or not everyone ask harry you know how many times has he lost a Quidditch game when he hasn't been injured or something? Zero. Right. Great. Right. That's the Harry question. Uh, and then so on and so forth so that everyone's on board. Because what if Harry just earnestly forgot? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I feel like that's the kind of thing. I mean, I'm getting old, but like that's <laughs> totally the kind of thing that I would forget. Well, under pressure, that's the kind yeah. of thing where even if you get asked a very obvious question, like, what's your middle name? You're like, well, I think I think it's Joel, but yeah. I'm not positive yeah. now. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I'm glad Harry got it correct. Yes, Because uh, this could have been very different. That would have been, yeah, the, the book could have gone in a very different direction if <laughs> yeah. he did not answer this question correctly. <laughs> oh, man. So Hagrid asks Lupin what the hell that was all about. Lupin says he's checking that he's not an imposter. Mm-hmm. Hagrid asks why he didn't check him. And then Lupin says, you're a half giant. Polyjuice only works on humans. And I made a joking note to say, oh, so the potion is racist yeah, yeah. too? But... <laughs> I get it how, like, biologically it wouldn't make sense because it is a different race. It would be very problematic to make someone physically grow or shrink an astronomical Yeah, amount. yeah, I guess that, that does make sense. When I reread this, I was like, hmm, that seems convenient. Yep, yeah. my first thought was, that's convenient. My second thought was, that's racist. And my third thought was, no, I think it just makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. <laughs> I went through all of the stages uh, of uh, admitting that of something admitting was fine. admitting the polyjuice potion on, on half-giants. <laughs> Hey, pass Meg. All right, come on, take a lap. Because it's time for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Shaker and Spoon. You ever get invited to a house party and you know that you need to bring some sort of beverage, but you're not sure on what is appropriate, you're not sure on what is fancy enough, you don't want to just roll in with a case of Bud Light because, let's be honest, that stuff is gross and you all deserve better. So what do you bring? Well, if you sign up for Shaker and Spoon, you can severely and significantly upgrade your alcohol game, and then you can bring that to parties, and everyone will want to talk to you, and not Richard, who brought Coors Light, because honestly, you all deserve better. 
Shaker and Spoon is a delivery service that sends you a box of fancy ingredients to make three different cocktails for the same liquor. You can get boxes regularly, you can pick and choose when you get them. All you need to do is supply the bottle of liquor and they will give you three very different drinks. I have loved all of the drinks that I have made or consumed with Shaker and Spoon, whether it was my box or my friend's box. They have so many fancy drinks. They have ones that are desserty drinks. They have ones that are more citrusy. They had one which is my favorite, which is a spicy drink because I love spicy cocktails so much much and you can get $20 off your first box if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash potterless you can get that first box upgrade your fanciness game and save $20 while you're at it again that is shakerandspoon.com slash wizard on and you can make some fancy drinks for your friends and everyone will think you are a very impressive human being today and now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 Bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a slash club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a so wild offer. Like 10% off a $40 slab pack in a more right transparent Anyways, way. That's Whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds purchase. like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So, Lupin hints that there has to be a mole in the order, and... Harry says that no one in the Order would have told Voldemort and talks about Voldemort catching up with him at the end, meaning that Voldemort didn't know it was him right away, so he didn't know the full extent of the plan, a.k.a. the Seven Potter situation. Right. Harry recounts the whole thing, and then he gets to the Stan figuring him out situation. And Lupin confirms that 
the reason that Stan knew it was Harry was because of Expelliarmus. Mm -hmm. And Lupin has a quote where he says, the time for disarming has passed. It's a great thing where Lupin has been very stoic and pretty level-headed and calm. Yeah. But the vibe that I got when Harry says he used Expelliarmus and people knew, like I imagine Lupin like holding something in his hands and just dropping it in pace, be like, fuck, Expelliarmus? Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> really? What? Oh, Harry, come on. Like, come on, Come dude. on, you're so no. much better uh, than this. Dude, dude, come on. Better. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I, this to me was him breaking. Like, no, cut, dude. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just being so disappointed. I just love that, like, Expelliarmus is, like, Harry's signature move. Like, no one else would ever use Expelliarmus, even though that's one of the major counter curses that they use, like, in mm -hmm. Dumbledore's army. This was exactly my thought, but Lupin does make a good point to say that what really stood out is that Harry used Expelliarmus as the spell when Voldemort tried to use Avada Kedavra in the yeah. big duel in the fourth book. And he notes that all of the Death Eaters in attendance noted that that was a strange move right. to make at the that time. Whether it was correct or not, they just associate using Expelliarmus with Harry. Yeah. And that's what gave him up. Yeah. I guess, again, fair. Fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Learn a new spell, Harry. Yeah, that's, that's really it. So Lupin does say you should have at least thrown a stunning spell at him. But Harry does make the good point that it seems like Stan was under the Imperius curse. And this makes much more sense than my theory, which was that the reason Stan was here was that Malfoy was using Polyjuice potions so that people wouldn't know that they have a Hogwarts student in, in, the, the in the Death Eaters, which I still think like makes sense. That's a really good theory. So that was my theory in the sixth because we had a situation where like they brought Stan in for questioning and then arrested him and then it was seemed like a wrongful arrest. Right. So so my guess was that Malfoy was meeting with Death Eaters, much like he met with Borgen and Borgen and Burks. Yeah. Like he was meeting with Death Eaters somewhere and then Polyjuice so that he wouldn't get caught and then he could just run away and then they would try to get Stan Shunpike. But now it makes a lot more sense. And Amanda tried to make this clear to me in the yeah. last episode yeah. and I did not catch it. She said, well, it did note that his face was completely dull and I it went straight over my head. Uh, so, <laughs> so I understand that Imperius makes much more I sense. I mean, you could make the argument that maybe Malfoy's face would be dull because he's like sort of in this catatonic state like as we see or not catatonic mm, but like he's uh, but just very stressed he's and very, terrified of everything. Yeah he's like he's he's like not himself. No not at all. I mean in partially in the sixth book and then very much so far in the seventh book I think it's like Malfoy's yeah. like what the fuck am I getting into <laughs> I just wanted to pick on people and <laughs> yeah I just wanted to be a bully Gosh. I just wanted to be an asshole I didn't want to kill people yeah. <laughs> so Harry says that he didn't want to use a stunning spell because he thought that Stan is under the Imperius curse so if you use a stunning spell and he fell to his death isn't that just as bad as using about a cadaver and Harry then does cite that hey Expelliarmus worked in the past and this is when Lupin says well yeah, yeah and that's why it stood yeah. out so Harry asks Lupin, oh, so you think I should have killed Stan Shunpike? And Lupin says, no, but the Death Eaters just associate Expelliarmus with you as your signature move. Yes, it is useful, but you can't let it become your trademark. Right. I mean, Lupin in many ways is kind of Harry's most consistent father figure in the books, I feel like. Yeah, even if it's not a father figure, he's just a good mentor. Yeah, like, he mentor. He teaches Harry yeah. the most things. He does, I he does, because even Dumbledore is... Not the most helpful in many no, ways. No, he's always very dramatic. He's very and dramatic. Waits and waits until the end of the year. Yep, and doesn't give Harry enough information. <laughs> while I feel like Lupin maybe doesn't give him all the information, but he gives him 
more and kind of treats him more as an equal. Yes. Lubin is just, I mean, consistently the best. Oh, he's the best marauder, no contest. Yeah, no absolutely. Question. Absolutely. So Hagrid then comes in and says that George is going to be okay, but they can't cure his ear because it's been cursed off, which that sucks. Sure, that's a thing now. So, yeah. so the note that I made at this point is, well, silver lining, at least you can tell the twins apart? Immediately yeah, followed by, I'm yeah. so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Well, but, but then George <laughs> but makes we'll learn the later. <laughs> yep, we'll learn later that uh, I don't feel as bad about making this joke. Yep. So Hermione and Kingsley then arrive, so that's good. Hermione does her classic throw her arms around Harry move, which she always does. But Kingsley is also not fucking around. Yep. Points his wand at Lupin asks what Dumbledore's final words to them were, and they were, Harry is the best hope we have. Trust him. Which is very sweet. That is very sweet. Uh, that is my goodness. very, very sweet. So Kingsley is also on Lupin's thought process that someone betrayed them tonight. And this has to be when Snape talked about having a source. This has to right. be the situation. Right. So Lupin brings up that, yes, they knew it would be tonight, but they didn't know about the seven Harry Potters thing. So there's something messed up there. Kingsley starts to recap what happened to him, and he starts to say, Remus, he can, and then Harry butts in, fly. I saw him too. He came after Hagrid and me. Yep. And that makes Kingsley realize, oh, okay, that's why he left, but how did he know it was you? And then Lupin says, well, Harry was a bit too kind yeah, yeah. to stand shunned by. <laughs> uh, and Hermione says, Stan, shouldn't he be in Azkaban? And then you get a quote, which this is the second time this has happened in pretty recent. I think it was the very end of the sixth book. Kingsley let out a mirthless laugh, Ugh. which is becoming a theme. So he says that there's been a breakout at the ministry and obviously they've covered it up. Let's just fuck the ministry. Yeah, Ugh, they're so I bad. Know. It's so they're it's so, so frustrating of all of the government agencies the Ministry of Magic oh. seems to be the most inept mm -hmm. and easily infiltrated and easily corrupted. Yeah. You would think if you had magic, you would do better. They do not. They don't do better at all. Um, so the reason that Kingsley knew that this breakout occurred is because Travers was there and he's also supposed to be in right. Azkaban. Right. Kingsley asks about George. Lupin says he's inside, but he lost an ear. But he reveals that it's Snape who did it using Sectum Sempra, which makes it way worse. So much <laughs> because worse. Because Snape's supposed to be good at the end. Unfortunately, I know this spoiler. This dude sucks so much. Mm, I had forgotten that it was Snape that cursed off George's ear. You know that he ends up being quote unquote good. Yeah. When does this dude turn? Yeah. And it's just like how far, like, what is his plan here? If his ultimate goal is to be good, I guess he's willing to make some serious sacrifices. This is something that I brought up last episode, or at least one of the two with Amanda is like, this seems like the perfect opportunity to let the truth slip because they have this fake date. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll learn it later, but I don't understand what Snape's reasoning was to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm actually going to butt in and correct this person who says that they found out the date. Like, if you're supposed to be a good guy, you just let that happen. You go, oh, whoops, they must have lied. <laughs> My guess is that it's just got to be him trying to really confirm his double agent status to Voldemort because he does get the question asked when he first arrives by Yaxley, 
do you think your reception will be good? So maybe Snape wasn't in the best status with Voldemort at the time and he needs to he needs to kind of prove himself by being right about this thing where there was bad information going on but it just does seem like a very risky maneuver and maybe that's why and maybe this is you know another prediction that could blow up in my face but maybe Snape purposefully left out the seven Harry Potters thing in hopes of that would throw the Death Eaters for a loop and at least keep Harry safe. Like, maybe that is why they only know half of the plan, is Snape decided to say, okay, I'm going to tell Voldemort this so that I prove to him, or at least, you know, show, and he thinks that I'm on his side in my double agent status, but I won't tell him the full story so that maybe the rest of the Order can find a way to escape. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's another character or historical figure that I can't quite think of who really fully commits to Loki. Lo- yeah, yeah, maybe Loki. <laughs> but but even even Loki his Loki's more selfish and doing yeah, stuff for himself yeah. whereas Snape is really being a crazy double agent for an ultimate goal of taking down Yeah, he's willing to go to such extreme levels. He really sees the big picture. Yeah. He's like, maybe maybe he's like Kepler from Wolf 359. Maybe that's it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Zach Labresco. So Harry goes in to help Hagrid get unstuck from a door, which has happened multiple times since he's showed up at the borough, which is great. Yeah. Um, but he goes inside and he asks Mrs. Weasley about George. She says that she can't heal it because of the dark magic, but at least he's not dead. And then Harry says, yeah, thank God. And I feel like this is the only time they've said God in the Harry Potter books. That's I knew that they have Wizard Christmas, but it very much stood out to be like, whoa, I don't think they've said that before. And it's also capitalized G, you yes. know, like it's like, okay. Yeah. They usually say stuff like, thank goodness. Yeah. I found that a bold move. I thought that was weird too. So now it just raises further questions that I've had in the past. Are people religious that are wizards? And is Jesus a wizard? Yeah. I mean, either this is the ultimate plug for Christianity. Mm-hmm. Wizards are magic. And since they know magic and then if they believe in Jesus, then Jesus is magic. And uh, <laughs> either it's that or it's just a vernacular thing. Yeah. I'd be I'd be curious to, to hear what J.K. Rowling's thoughts are on religion in the Harry Potter books. I don't know if she's shared those. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's definitely not like a Pottermore thing, at least. But the other thing you could say is like, Harry did grow up with a muggle family, so maybe it's a muggle thing, and he just picked it up from the Dursleys or people around his little privet drive muggle situation. Because, I don't know, it's not like there aren't people that don't believe in God in the world that say, oh my God, or thank God, or, you know, GD. (laughs) Yeah, it did did feel strange, though. Yes. Sort of like out of place. Yeah, I read it and literally did like a, whoa, like jerk my head back like, oh. That's weird. I think I just just stood out because I don't think it's been in the entire series yet. Yeah. Um, So Arthur then arrives and Harry can overhear him yelling at Kingsley to back off with the interrogation. (laughs) I need to see my son, which makes sense. But then there's a quote where it says Harry had never heard Arthur yell like that, which either means that Arthur is so angry or distressed by the fact that his son is injured that He's never yelled, and this is very uncharacteristic. Or what if Arthur is the imposter? Right. <laughs> and, like, the person doesn't know that Arthur never yells. So this is something where I was just thinking, if the imposter is someone, like, polyjuiced up as Arthur, this is a great way to 
get through an interrogation yeah. is to be like, I need to see my son. So yeah. I'm not trusting Arthur is Arthur yet. Okay, yeah, I know. That is that is sort of suspicious. It's true. Oh, yes. And that's always my thought process with these books when I'm trying to guess what happens next is anything yeah. that just seems a bit strange, the tiniest thing, because J.K. Rowling loves to do that. Just yeah. the tiniest little thing is how things slip through. And I would say in this book, Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that in this book, more than any of the other books, little hints are really important and little clues are really important. Yes. I have been warned by my friend Johnny that there are two very little hints that are so like minor little gotcha things that they are going to make me upset. I think I can think of what one of those things are, but I, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the sixth book had a lot of them, but it was less of like gotcha moments and it was more of like, if you reread the sixth book, you can put it all together, yeah. but they're so minor that you wouldn't be able to figure it out before. Yeah. Obviously, there's no way that any reader is going to be able to guess that there are two vans cabinets and one is in Borgen and Bergs and they teleport blah 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 but there's tiny little things littered out where when you reread it and you know it then you're like oh which is much better than a little eh, eh, yeah the, you know yeah. <laughs> not a dumb little gotcha moment more of just tiny little things peppered totally and and they're not mystery novels so they're not necessarily meant to, I think part of the fun is going back and being like, oh, yeah, that mm -hmm. is there. That little hint is there. Or that little thing is there. Yeah. Or just like, there is no way that I could ever have known this. Yes. This is something that J.K. Rowling conceived of and thought of and probably knew the whole time, but didn't really, uh -huh. like, there's no way for you to know. You yeah, know? it's something that gets me mad because I love anything with suspense and trying to guess what happens yeah, next. Yeah, yeah. I love it and love trying to do it. And earlier in the series, you kind of could do it. Yeah, it was a little but bit But as easier. the series went on and it got more robust and the magic got more involved, then it becomes more things like you're saying where it's like, there's no way I could have gotten that. But then it makes me mad because I'm like, I wanted to get it, but I should read her new series of books that she's working on, the Robert Galbraith or whatever. Oh, yeah. Because those are literally whodunit novels. Yeah. So you're, that's the point of how they work. Yeah, I haven't read... I, I'm. I'm I'm excited to read those too. I read the first one and it was really good. Okay. I read it for a book club before I did anything of Harry Potter. And I didn't even know it was J.K. Rowling until I was like halfway through uh, did, because did she, she writes it yeah, under the pen name. Yeah, she writes it under a, a pen name. That's right. Yeah. It, the way, yeah, she wrote it under a pen name and it's like this obviously pretend person named Robert Galbraith who was supposed to be like a guy, he was in the army or something, but his passion was always writing. And the way that they found out was people just questioned, how is this first time author so good at writing? books uh, and then they <laughs> dove into it more and they found out it was J.K. Rowling. Oh, it's the most successful author of the past Yeah, this is too good. What's, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. Yep. So Fred is safe too. Thank goodness. And he is fully intact. Yes, because he's my favorite. I like him better than George. Sorry, George, but Fred <laughs> is better. For the first time ever, Harry notes, Fred seems to be at a loss for words. So George stirs a little bit. Mrs. Weasley asks him how he feels and he says, saint-like. And Fred goes, oh, no, what's wrong with him? And George says, no, I'm saint-like. And then he clarifies that the point of saying saint-like is because he's holy. <laughs> and Fred immediately switches from being distraught to being disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> disapproving of, of George's joke. It's, it's peak Fred. But totally. he goes pathetic. With the whole wide world of irrelated humor before you, you go for holy? Which, uh, I love it. I love that Fred immediately just goes back to pure Fred form. Which I also <laughs> love. But also, I'm just noticing now we're getting two religious references in the same page mm -hmm. here. Because saints are also specific 
to Christianity, right? I don't know. I am Catholic, so I I think that they are Christian because I've never heard of any other religion. Like, definitely yeah. not in. Uh, well, mm, do are are there Hebrew saints? Not, not. I haven't heard of any. Certainly, so. don't use the word. But I don't think there's any like Islamic saints. I, I believe that saints are specifically Catholic. Okay, that would be yeah. I don't have the fullest world religion knowledge. Yeah, I'll have to do some research <laughs> about that. Anyway, I don't think it's on purpose. I think it's just no. For the, it's for the a sake coincidence of the that these joke. happen to be on the exact but, same page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hmm. But then George turns to Molly and says, hey, at least you can tell us apart now. So, yay, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made a joke that isn't that mean or sad or too soon or whatever. I'm very glad and I stand by the original joke that I made. So Ron and Tonks then arrive and Ron's looking rough, yeah. but he's alive. And the first thing that he says when Hermione embraces him is, you're okay, which is very sweet that the no. only thing he cared about was Hermione no, being okay. So adorable. So adorable. Tonks says that Ron absolutely killed it. He stunned a Death Eater in the face while flying, and Hermione goes, you did? Yeah. And Ron replies, always the tone of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. So good. Uh, I love their banter. Love Top bants, as the British people would say. Mm. Lupin mm. asked what kept them so long, and Tonks says Bellatrix. Apparently, she wants to kill Tonks as badly as she wants to kill Harry. Tonks wants to get her, though, saying that I owe her. Yeah. Again, harking back to Tonks thinking that if she was able to take down Bellatrix, Sirius would still be alive. So Tonks informs them that they did injure Rodolphus, though, which is good. Bill and Fleur then fly in on a Thestral, so they're okay. Bill straight up looks directly at Arthur, doesn't say anything else, just straight up walks up to him and goes, Mad-Eye is dead, which... Pfft, Yep. Ah! Well, it's ah! like no sort of like narrator saying that Bill looked distraught, no sort of preamble or any sort of preface for this. It's just straight up. Bill showed up. Hey, Mad Eye's dead, which uh, I do think that J.K. Rowling really constructs this scene masterfully because, you know, this conceit of like everyone coming back in twos. It's like, okay, well, who's going to be? And the fact that it's called the fallen warrior, Mm -hmm. someone is dead. And it's probably not Hedwig. It's probably someone other than Hedwig because you can't really call her. A warrior. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I did make that point when I was talking to Kelly before I started chapter five. I was like, because I've said this before, I don't like when the chapter title or the uh, little drawing in the book gives away yeah, I don't like that either. what happens. Like, it feels like a spoiler to me. So I was telling Kelly, uh, I was frustrated. I was like, oh, come on. Now I know somebody died. And she goes, well, it could be talking about Hedwig. And I was like, oh, pfft, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the real warrior, the sassy bird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice misdirection, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that is that is the ultimate thing is love her to death. She always tries to make sure that I don't know anything. And even when things are very obvious, like when I was very certain that Snape was the Half-Blood Prince, until I read the actual page where Snape was like, Potter, it's me, the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she was always trying to throw doubt like maybe it's someone else maybe it really is Eileen Prince you know all these other things so I very much appreciate her trying to protect me from spoilers I appreciate that too because I this is a slightly different dynamic but my best friend whose name is also Emma and we've known (gasps) each other since we were two she hates surprises and she likes knowing everything. Oh, that's, I'm the complete opposite human. And and I'm the complete opposite as well. And so I just love, like, making her crazy. And, like, <laughs> while she was listening to Wolf Through 59, she would text me. What like, happens? Every, every so often. She's like, what's gonna happen? What's going on? What's going on? I was like, 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she's like, Eiffel's not dead, is he? I don't I know. Mean, yeah. And it's really fun <laughs> and really but I but I appreciate that you are committed to the to the surprise and to the suspense. It's more fun when I don't know stuff because Absolutely. if I knew stuff, I wouldn't have ranted about things like thinking that Hermione was splitting into three when she was using the yeah. time turner. <laughs> <laughs> Which hey, not it, I stand. You know, I still think that that's better than the fucking broken ass magic that J.K. Rowling did with the time turner. Yes, so many of your theories <laughs> make so much more sense. I don't know if so many, but happens. some. <laughs> I feel a few, a I feel good about the three Hermione theory. <laughs> yeah, the three Hermione theory. I like that theory. <laughs> <laughs> so at, Bill straight up looks at Arthur, says Mad Eye is dead, and at this point, I was sad because Mad Eye is cool, but. When I think about all of the people of the order that could have died in this situation, he is the second to last person that I care about in terms of the most yeah. being Charlie, who's not there, uh, <laughs> and then last place being Mundungus Fletcher. So obviously if Mundungus died, I wouldn't have cared at all. It would have been too small. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I realized. She needed to find the person who would like still affect you as a reader, mm-hmm. as an audience member, but not like destroy you. Yeah, it's funny that in these first five chapters, we have the death slowly becoming more significant. So first, mm-hmm. we have a teacher at Hogwarts that we literally never even heard referenced yeah. before. And not even like Professor Vector, who's been hinted at. Like this professor was never even mentioned ever. She dies, okay, whatever. You kind of feel bad because she's a nice person and she is trying to say that not being racist is good, which is a great message, but we've never met her, so we don't care. Right, it's a little bit of a cheat. Yeah. Then Hedwig dies. Okay, fine. Animal. Hedwig was great. <laughs> she was there from the beginning. <laughs> she was there from the beginning, but ultimately, like, we don't care about Hedwig that much. Now Mad Eye is dead. Okay, Mad Eye. Yeah. All right. Sure, we liked him, but we're technically more familiar with fake Mad Eye than we are with real exactly. Mad Eye. <laughs> exactly. I was gonna say the, the we're most familiar with him in the book where he's not himself. Exactly. But now I am afraid that the next death is going to be someone we care about. Like it might be a kid or someone that we've known a long time. So now I'm worried because they're escalating. (laughs) So it's good that so far I haven't had any gripping deaths to deal with, but I'm terrified. As you should be. Yeah, gosh. So Bill (laughs) recounts that he and Fleur were close nearby to Mundungus and Mad-Eye. And he also says Voldemort, he can fly, went straight for them and Dung panicked. I heard him cry out. Mad-Eye tried to stop him, but then he disappeared. Uh, So he disapparated. So Mundungus just uh, like... Like a coward. Yeah, he started off as this like quirky, lovable, oh, you know, he doesn't have the best morals, but he's still a good dude. Yeah. But now literally our only examples of stuff from Mundungus is him screwing up. Yeah. Like he got arrested and now he uh, ransacked Harry's house and now he was too cowardly to fight back. So he let Mad-Eye get hit in the face with Voldemort's Avada Kedavra. Uh, It's just, uh, yeah, not a good run for Mundungus. I don't like him anymore. Like I said, moral backbone of a chocolatey Claire. I'd be interested to, you know, read the short story where it's like Mundungus's struggle with his poor moral choices, yeah. but also not really. Mm-hmm. But my question is, and well, and maybe maybe this is a question for the end of the chapter, but it doesn't seem like Mundungus is the mole. It seems no. like he's just, just it, a coward. He's just a coward. Yeah. My guess for mole, given that it wasn't Mundungus and given that nobody like actively sabotaged, my yeah. guess is that someone 
in the order is actually and this is just what I always end up guessing because it just makes sense. But I think it's Polyjuice Potions in play. Mm -hmm. So I feel like someone in the order is using Polyjuice Potion and that real person is gone. So very much like a moody Barty Crouch thing where they're in a trunk or whatever. Like I think a Death Eater is actually, I don't know, like I don't think it's Molly, but you know, someone, there's someone like that. And then they're just like playing it good and acting and all that. But the one thing that does really stand out is how they not know the seven potters thing. That's the one thing that I'm confused about. Yes. Because the thing is what we at least know of how Voldemort found out is that he heard from a source. And this is the other thing that may have happened is that say you've got a Death Eater and they're using Polyjuice Potion in the order. They tell Snape, you know, tell Voldemort that this is the plan. And then Snape just tells Voldemort just the half of it. And then that Death Eater is still being Polyjuice pretending to be in the order. So they aren't in the Death Eater meeting, so they can't correct him and all of that. So that could be the workaround. But this is all hinging on Snape intentionally leaving out half of the plan. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, no spoilers, but hopefully I'm right. Uh, So (laughs) they get a bunch of fire whiskey and toast it in the honor of Mad-Eye Moody. And Lupin thinking that Mundungus disappearing is sketchy, but Bill backs up that it can't be him because they didn't know the seven Harry Potter plan, which is the plan that Mundungus himself came up with. Right. Further giving credibility to him not being the mole. So Mad-Eye was 100% right about Voldemort, saying that he would go after the best orders first, which is why he went to Mad-Eye, and then he went to Kingsley, and then... When people said, it's him, it's him, then he went and got Harry. Yeah. Fleur is upset. She wants to know who let it slip. And Hagrid then hiccups after having consumed lots of alcohol. Harry has to do some quick defense of putting out the fire because he realizes, (laughs) oh, right, Hagrid has a history of letting things slip. So he makes this big speech about trusting everyone. And then Lupin gives Harry a funny look. And Harry says, what? What's what's going on? And Lupin says, no, I'm just noting that you're so similar to James, who is betrayed by his own friend that he trusted, Peter Pettigrew, which, ugh, Lupin is being real, very real. Yeah, he's not sugarcoating anything. He is not messing around. No, he's got no time to sugarcoat. Which is good. There's no time for that. The the stakes are so high here. He's got to teach Harry not to blindly trust people. Yeah. Which is a hard lesson to learn. Yes, for sure, for sure. As as the books go on, things get darker and darker, and like it does teach you lessons about growing up, mm-hmm. and like harder lessons about growing up. And some of the lessons here, I mean, and you get it like with the third book with Peter Pettigrew, but there's no real like emotional connection to that. Yeah. But as the books go on, like with Snape killing Dumbledore and like these kinds of things, it's like oh, okay, uh, this you have to learn not to. Not to trust people yeah. inherently. It's very much a, a thing that I dealt with growing up is that you can't always trust adults. And it's this weird thing where as you're yeah. a kid, you just have this understanding, oh, all adults are good and they are nice mm-hmm. and they are correct and I should trust them. And it's this weird thing that uh, I had to like slowly learn like, oh, not all, all adults are great. And the way that I learned it, but an interesting way, I played baseball growing up uh-huh. and I played travel baseball as well. And I played little league. And for most little leagues, usually you have an all-star team at the end of the year that plays during the summer. And they usually take like the best people. And I was once like not chosen for the all-star team. And I just thought, oh, you could, maybe I wasn't good enough, whatever. But what actually happened was the guy who was in charge of picking the all-star team actively didn't want to choose me because I was on one travel baseball team and his son was on another travel baseball team. And we kind of had like a rivalry type thing. Um, So this is something I learned later. I was very confused. I was like, wait, hold on. So 
I should have been on the team, but he just did it because of this weird grudge because of like baseball drama. Like, yeah. I thought adults are supposed to be nice. And then my dad had to tell me like, no, some adults are petty. And even though they're grown yeah. men, like they will do very silly things. Hey, how's it going? It's editing Mike real quick. Just wanted to make sure that I really drove home how ridiculous this human being was. You know how professional baseball players sometimes intentionally throw pitches at people to send a message or get back at someone? Yeah, this coach tried tried to do that to me because my best friend accidentally hit his son with a pitch so he thought to get back at my best friend he would intentionally hit me a 13 year old boy at the time with a baseball pitch this is a grown man having his son throw a baseball at me the best friend of someone who accidentally hit his son with a pitch in a baseball game which happens pretty regularly uh so, so i just hope this drives the point of how ridiculous this man is I'm sure you're doing really great things, Coach Tony. And it was just this weird thing where I had my eyes opened in a very strange way that, oh, not everyone's nice because my parents are very nice and my parents' friends were very nice and like all my aunts and uncles. So, it, you know, I've been I've, I was blessed to have a very good family situation and a good adult situation. And though Harry doesn't have that because he knows the Dursleys and stuff. He has a similar right. thing in that everyone he's ever met in the order is supposed to be really nice and really good. So to think that you couldn't just trust your peers that are supposed to be your friends and keep you safe mm -hmm. is this foreign concept to Harry. And Lupin has to let him know, hey, you can't always trust everyone. Look what happened to your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks. And it's hard to do really when you're sucks. 17 years old. Yeah. Just quickly, I had a similar experience in high school. My theater director at my high school I went to a private school and my mom was head of the fine arts department. And so I got to go for free. Oh, sweet. But she was technically, because she was head of the fine arts department, she was my theater director's boss. Oh, okay. And he had a weird, at least this is my theory, mm -hmm. he had a, like a weird power dynamic relationship with her. And so okay. he wouldn't cast me or he would just oh. give me like small parts in everything tree like, number four yeah exactly <laughs> and like my senior year they did 12th night and shakespeare is like my thing was oh, like my yeah. specialty and he made me the sea captain in the uh. first scene and i was like fuck you uh. no and that was like i think that was the first moment that i realized i was like no you're you're doing this you're not just doing this because like quote unquote there's better people for the part you're you're doing this on purpose yeah to sabotage. that's the worst is that is when it's done like that because my baseball thing i didn't my dad told me about this like years later and i didn't think yeah. that i was that great but my dad was like no 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 you were you like statistically were better than you know i played second base so it was like the league kept stats he was like you were yeah. better than the dude they picked for the second base position in every statistic it was pure this power move and it's just so weird to think that yeah. some people will do that like oh yeah i'm gonna do this thing with 14 year old children because i'm a grumpy man <laughs> exactly and that like really affects you as a kid it's weird and so yeah I, I don't know if you're if you're in some sort of position of power even if it's not anything profound like being in charge of a baseball team that's very ultimately meaningless right or for a play and stuff like you shouldn't let these outside things come into play because it's robbing you an innocent teenager of doing something that they love or that they really care yeah. about or like you're saying like if you are the best person for the role just pick the person i just don't understand yeah. i hope that i never yeah. become one of those parents that like 
makes weird decisions with other like malintent aside from just like, oh, this person was better at whatever it is, whether it's yeah. a role or a position or a competition or whatever. Like just let the best people get picked and don't, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> I know. I, d I don't either. Well, anyway, anyway, sorry, anyway Harry Potter, sorry, yeah. uh, enough of us getting <laughs> screwed over in our yeah, teenage yeah, yeah. years. <laughs> We can talk after about... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Harry wants to leave because he's afraid he's putting everyone in danger. Molly says, no, don't be silly. You'll be safe here. And after Harry has a bit of a tiff with everybody where he wants to leave and they say, no, 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 they have to talk him down. Hagrid says it's going to be great when word spreads that Harry bested Voldemort again. But Harry doesn't want to take any credit as saying that his wand saved him. He describes the whole, my wand moved not of my own accord and it sprayed this golden flame I've never seen before. Hermione chucks it up to instincts and Harry says, mm -hmm. no, 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 it's not that. Mrs. Weasley chucks it up to acting under pressure and Harry says, no, it's not that because these gold flames have never come from my wand before. I don't know what spell it was. Yeah. I literally cannot tell you what happened. I'm very intrigued by this. I have no guess as to what the hell this is, but I'm very yeah. enticed. I'd forgotten about this part, <laughs> and so I'm excited for it to unfold for you. Yeah. So Harry gets the sense that no one believes him, but he knows that Dumbledore would have. This is the kind of thing where Dumbledore would have trusted him if he told yeah. him. Harry is then walking alone in the garden when his scar starts to hurt like crazy. And for the first time in a while, we get one of these seeing into what Voldemort is seeing scenes. Voldemort says, you told me the problem would be solved by using another's wand, which now I understand why Voldemort was so insistent on using other people's wands. He used someone else's wand to murder the professor. He was clamoring for someone to hand him his wand when he was trying to attack Harry. And we learn that the person that Voldemort is saying this to is Ollivander, which in the sixth book, they mentioned that Ollivander was missing. Now, mm -hmm. an entire book later, we realize that he's been taken by the Death Eaters. And they only mention it like in the beginning of the sixth book, right? Very early on. It's when they first go to Hogsmeade. Yeah. So similarly, it's about like chapter five range. So it's been like a book since a we've heard book. about Ollivander. I honestly forgot that he was missing. Half because I think he's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Uh, but also <laughs> half because they paid no mention to it. Yep. They didn't ever reference Ollivander or his shop when they returned to Hogsmeade later in the sixth book, so I totally forgot. Right. But yeah, so he's been tortured, and we realize that the reason he's been tortured is Voldemort is trying to figure out the wand thing. Mm -hmm. Ollivander thought that the only connection existed between the wands of Voldemort and Harry, and we learned that it's because they have the same, is it a, it's a phoenix feather from the same bird is the core of each of their wands, right? I believe so, yes. Voldemort thinks that Ollivander is lying. He's saying, no, no, I really thought that this was gonna be the thing that did it. Right. Harry then snaps out of this where he, what is it? It's not like, it's not actually occlumency. It's like accidental. Like, well, it, it used to happen to him. Yeah, uh, this in, vision. In the fifth book where he, yeah, yeah his visions. Like it, it's ac accidental occlumency. Yeah, so Harry snaps out of this <laughs> accidental occlumency session and the squad tells him to come inside. He then tells them what he just saw, which is not characteristic of how normally chapters work. Usually the chapter would have ended here and then chapter six would have began with, Harry told Ron and Hermione what he just saw. Right, yeah. <laughs> so Hermione <laughs> is- true terrified because that connection is supposed to be closed. He's supposed to close his mind. And the chapter ends with what is a very real and gripping quote. Harry, he's taking over the ministry and the newspapers and half the wizarding world. Don't let him inside your head too. 
And that is the end of chapter five. And that is the end of this episode of Potterless as well. What a good feel good chapter. George has lost an ear. Mad Eye is dead. And Harry cannot necessarily keep Voldemort out of his brain anymore. Yep. Things are not looking good. (laughs) No, they're not. We have not had a good fun chapter yet. Nope. Nope. The like warm and fuzzies so far in this book has been when Dudley shakes. Yes. That is the nicest thing that has happened yet. Yeah. The highlight of the book so far. (laughs) Dudley's not a piece of shit. He's just kind of when when Dudley is the best, the the happiest thing in a book, you know, you know, it's bad. It's really, you know, it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh man. But how how do you feel? Do you have any other thoughts about this chapter before we wrap up? No, just, just like, I really felt viscerally like the stress and anxiety (laughs) of, of this chapter. And like, even though I knew who the fallen warrior was, I do really think she does a great job of like raising the anxiety, raising the stakes and it, being like okay who's it it's gonna be somebody who is it who's it gonna be yeah and yeah and so i i think it's i think it's very well done as as we were talking about you know like she i think she strikes a good balance between you know giving you great loss but not the greatest loss yeah and between george's ear and mad eye dying Mm -hmm. it's like here's a hint here's a hint of how bad it could Mm be but it's not that bad yet yeah but get ready because it might get that bad <laughs> yep. I, I feel like we should have done our recordings in reverse because we just spent an hour plus gushing about how great spider-man is and how he's the best oh, yeah, best superhero true. and who yeah. could not yeah. love him and he's perfect and now we've just spent an hour yeah. plus saying oh wow <laughs> it's so sad yeah. people are dying i know I know this is the anti Spider Man episode. <laughs> but speaking of, uh, if you guys yes. want to hear me gush about Spider Man and why I love him yes. so much, you should check out Emma's podcast, Pairing, uh, which, as we mentioned before, pairs wine with pop culture, and it's lovely. It's very fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 just a fun little kind of way to learn about wine yeah. through the lens of art and pop culture. Because I come from a more artsy, nerdy background, mm-hmm. and it's only in recent years that I've learned about wine and have been working in wine, and so. This has been an idea that I've had for a while, and it's it's just fun and it's something that I enjoy doing. And I'm really excited for uh, for your episode. Shoot. Yeah, I think it's I'm excited as well, fun. and I'm excited for when you start doing the Harry Potter episodes, and I get to record again because yes. that'll be a whole fun yes. twist. And I'm sure everyone listening will love it. Given on how long this episode will be posted versus recording, maybe your Harry Potter episodes yeah. are starting to drop. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. So give that pairing by the time a look, and one, if you're looking yeah. for more Harry Potter content, part of which will have me in it, go check it out. But yeah. Emma, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for being oh my gosh. a part of this. Thank uh, sorry you. that the chapter was so sad. <laughs> it's 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 quite all right. It's quite all right. I like I like sadness. I like darkness. Yeah, you no, you did. <laughs> I, I'm glad you were here and provided great commentary. Yeah. So thank you for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they chug their fire whiskey in honor of Mad Eye's passing. <gasps> Wizard, Wizard on! on. <laughs> Are you on Twitter? Do you despise how depressing and hate-filled your feed can be sometimes? Well, why don't you follow Potterless on Twitter? All I do is tweet a lot of silly puns and Harry Potter jokes. It's a great time. All you gotta do is go to twitter.com slash potterlesspod and start laughing at my silliness today. 
Potteros is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert, as well as Leon Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Sadie Baird, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Klaus Lopu, Alex Stark, Rebecca Adamick, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Janet Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Vita Med, Kaylin Jordan Pontolo, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Boulay, Marie Lisa C. Keen, Ariel Bird, Romina Rivadanera, Pinky Pan, Camille Doc, Anthony Bonarigo, Russell Dunk, Dustin Molencooch, Katie Rogers, Audra Indiana Mercer, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Ross Ann Batamana, Micah Cole, Andrea Franz, Nikita Power, Colette Smith, Chrissy Hutton, Trini Unadcat, Lola Palmer, Chelsea Green, Taylor Armstead, Love Cash Longer, Ellie Madsen, Cassandra Aponte, Roxy Chaos, Emilia Krauss, Sean Montag, Jeremiah E. Hurd, Sarah Nink, Jesus J. Morales, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Pulido, Jessica Ann, Natalie Jung, Arna Good, the daughter, Brandy Baldonado, Melody McGinnis, Kristen Chavez, Zach Ross, Klein, Elisa Figueroa, Diego Costa, Daisy Carrot, Sutter, Jessica Jacob, Orchid Grower, Jonathan Fua, Joe Harrison, Isabel, Steve Trelor, Vivian Santos, Samuel Minor, Victoria Renee, Elena, Takaria Ront, Darlene Ruiz, Drake Perez, James Stepp, Healy Hastings, Marino, Moster, Hannah Shepard, Angelina Withred, Ross Marie Heisa, Peter Bemis, Maria Vega, Phineas Ebner, Natalie Lozano, Hermione Hoff, Victoria Julian Lee, Ganji Singh, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Cecily Togball, Raul Avila, Finn Stucky, Mosin, Sadiqui, Grace Riggle, Sammy Crazy, Raul Pineda, Ingen Oddstotter, Mary Wynn, Brian Wingate, Heidi Stoll, Alexandra Consulver, John Kotker, Jen and Juice, Seferin Baez, Dusty Nickerim, Noel Basile, Tao, Hala O'Keefe, Emily Tyrell, Michael Russell, Robin Fernandez, Rebecca Shumway, Patricia Cologne, Aaron Rapp, Jane Lance, Will Barrington, Neil Fournier, Harper Caldwell, Liz Bigelow, Maria Noah, Brandon Pickens, Vittorio Nicoletta, Sarah Enslin, Teal, Sina Schutzeberg, Silje Brunstad, Rodmansani, Desiree Korf, Rory Collier, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Patina Campomanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can go to Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, and Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or Reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For more information on the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com, and for bonus content, you can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, a wizard on! Come on.